and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Trust everybody had a good, long four-day weekend for those of you who did, but Thanksgiving we all did, and uh, trust that that was a a good time with, uh, well... A little different in 2020. Hope you had a good four days off. Uh, we certainly have a lot of ground to cover here today. We'll recap Iowa and Iowa State both on the gridiron and on the basketball floor as both schools are underway. Maybe get into a little bit of NFL from yesterday. You want to? No. No, I didn't think so. At least uh, not the Sunday night not game. Not the Sunday night game. Well, Packer fans do. That Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is pretty darn good after all. A week that um, is unprecedented in Iowa State football history as there's so much on the line. 2.30 afternoon. ESPN will have that one. Of course, if you can't be in front of your TV, down the hall on the bus 100.3 uh, has the uh, game with John Walters, Eric Heft, uh, and company on the call there. Hawks beat the Huskers. Luke Garza is still good at basketball. Uh, Drake is off to a good start. Not so much for you and I. We've got a lot on our plate. BMW Des Moines guest looks, looks like this here this morning at about two, 25 minutes or so. Our friend Scott Dockerman, by the way. If you um, are in a position where you have got a little disposable income, you're not going to need a lot because right now the Athletic, today only, Cyber Monday, you can join the Athletic for a buck. A A buck. A buck a month. That's good. Yes, that's really good. Uh, and it's a terrific site. It's uh, it's not just college. It's it's pro if you're a hockey fan and you're starving for hockey coverage. I think most of the NHL teams are covered. NBA, MLB, uh, NFL, obviously. There's so much at The Athletic. It is the future of sports writing and sports journalism, in my opinion, for a dollar a month today only. That will get you the athletic for an entire year. So 12 bucks for the year for new subscribers only at the athletic. Doc will join us at 1025. Then Nick Cathan will talk a little bit about the Chiefs as they, I thought they were toying with Tampa Bay early in that football game. They left the door open. Tampa Bay made it close at the end, but in the end, number 15 was too much as he's going to be for the next 10, 12, 14 years, unfortunately. If you have a a team in the AFC West not named the Chiefs. 11.05, Bama Trent and I will go around uh, college football. We'll take a look at what happened uh, this past weekend. And then uh, Dave Sproul will join us at 11.30. Uh, Matt Campbell's teleconference will be over at that point. Iowa State, West Virginia, 2.30 in the afternoon. The tiebreaker system, Trent, I tried two different occasions yesterday mm-hmm. to wrap my mind around the big 12 tiebreaker i'm completely in the dark you just win that's all you have to do just right win. if iowa state beats west virginia then who cares who they're playing in all likelihood it'll be oklahoma mm-hmm. but uh, for iowa state to uh and you know what pick off a um, a regular season conference championship too by yourself right on top there uh, and there's an opportunity to do that. West Virginia is an improving football team. The line tells you all you need to know it's a touchdown. Here's my question on Saturday before we look back. Mm-hmm. Will Jamie Pollard petition Story County to have some fans at Jack Trice Stadium? I th- heard this morning that Story County numbers are coming down a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
with everything on the line, you're outside. Um, we have not heard of any outbreaks that have happened because of football gatherings at Jack Trice. Well, look, did you see? Did you watch any of the Texas A&M game on Saturday night? Yeah. Trent, it was, I don't know, she was going to say packed. That's not the case. But there was, it was tight. There was a lot of people uh, in the stadium. I'm not saying go 30,000, 40,000, but put 10, put 12. What were they doing earlier? 15? 15, yeah. I hope for Cyclone Nation, the fortunate 15,000 that would get an Mm -hmm. opportunity to see that. God knows they've waited in some cases their entire lives for this. So I hope. Uh, that they're able to put some fans in the building. Um, where do you want to go? Well, with that, I, I'm right there with you. And I remember being on the field in 2004. That's Iowa's last Big Ten championship. It was 2004. And going down on a day where there was an upset in the Michigan-Ohio State game. And with it, Iowa just had to beat Wisconsin to win their second Big Ten title in three years. And the elation and the trophy ceremony and being there. Now, you're not going to be able to have that part. I'm going to guess that no. they're going to be very strict right. about nobody on the field. And if you are, you're going to be arrested. You, you have to, <laughs> right. you really do no, have to put those kind of parameters there. Well, look what they did at Notre Dame, Trent. Yes. And again, no outbreaks mm-hmm. of that. But you do have to be very strict. And you just, you have to be smart about it. But that feeling, that feeling that you've had when you've watched the Broncos win a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. when your team wins a championship and does something that hasn't been done for anybody's lifetime, nobody has seen a conference right. championship no. that is going to be watching that game. Yep. Nobody remembers 1912. No. If, if you're around, tip of the ball cap to you, but I'm going to guess you don't remember no. or don't have any Tr- kind of connection I don't to think that. there's anybody in the Well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe there's some people. There, there's very few. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, and for sure, they're not aware of what happened in Ames. Some 108-year-old, well, they'd have to be about 113 to maybe uh-huh. even have any kind of memory. Yeah, no, it's, not it's not going to happen. But that feeling. To, to be alone, to be at the top, something that, realistically, I didn't think ever was going to happen. A, a, an outright championship, a regular season mm-hmm. title, maybe there's a year. You finish second, it's a three-way tie at 6-3, and three, you sneak in the back door and pull it. I could imagine that scenario, but never. With this construction of the Big 12, did I think this team could go 8-1 and uh-huh. one and win a conference regular season title? Outright. Never. I say that never thought it could happen. You can't do that at Iowa State. And they, with the win, mm-hmm. will do just that. And for those 10, 12, 15,000 people, if they are allowed in the building, that feeling, seeing your team, seeing the team that you cheered for, your alma mater, the connections, whatever it is, it's beyond reproach. You just yep. you can't get past with you. that feeling. We'll see if it's going to happen. That that's, <sighs> that's well above kind of where we are sure, in sure. the world. For me, from my vantage point, and it is very sports-centric, I hope it happens. I do, too. I hope that they allow some people in. Anyways, uh, so, so let's, let's start there. Let's start with the Iowa State-Texas uh, uh, football game. Um, look, Tom Herman made a couple of uh, decisions that certainly didn't go his way, but they went Iowa State's way. Uh, down the stretch, the Clones did enough. They did more than enough. Uh, and come out on top as they outscored Texas 10 uh, nothing in the final stanza uh, to win that football game. And for once, for once, a field goal. Mm-hmm. Look, if it was a Sally that was setting up to win the game, they're not winning the game. That's just the way it is with yeah. him. It's, it's unfortunate. But this kid, Dicker, is as good a kicker as there is in college football. And if you saw the kick, and, and most people did, I think it was 58 yards um, Trent, he, 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 had, he had more than enough leg. And it starts out down the middle. 
and it starts to drift a little bit to the left. Then it's drifting a little bit more to the left. And you're thinking to yourself, is, it, is this thing not going to go through? Yeah. Is, is this really going to happen? And it happened for, for Cyclone Nation. I couldn't be happier for them. Matt Campbell, in tears. I mean, emotional. Which we so rarely see. He is so robotic. Yes. He... He takes the Kirk Ferentz school of, of coaching to another level. You just don't see it. No. You see some, he's excited. He's excitable, but he is rarely emotional on that in that sense. Yeah. Well, you know, he was in the locker room after the game. Those are different, right? Yeah. But when he's in public and he's got in front of a microphone. And, but, um, you know, the, the, the um, moment got up with, with Matt Campbell and good for him. Um, good for Iowa State. Just a remarkable season. Finish the job. Yeah. <laughs> Finish the job. Take all of the what ifs. Off the table, there's one what if right now, and that's beat West Virginia. And if they beat West Virginia, your ticket is punched. Um, again, seven-point favorite, 2.30 in the afternoon. Surprised when the kickoffs came out. I thought it would be a primetime game. As did I. I thought that was going to get the late slot in the West Virginia program that has national appeal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. An Iowa State story. Yes. Conference championship for the first time in 108 uh-huh. years. You have so much there. And look at the Alabama-LSU game that it's going up against, Trent. This is 2020. LSU's awful. Yes. You know, if you're, if you're going to go, go up against a, you know, a game of that magnitude, uh, this is the year you want to do it. I'm surprised they didn't get it. They get 2.30 in the afternoon. And Baylor-Oklahoma gets the night yeah, slot. Yeah, right. I mean, Oklahoma, okay, I'll get that. They're playing extremely well they right are. now. But I want to see Iowa State-Oklahoma, part mm-hmm. two. I do. I think we're going to get it. I think we're going to get it, too. All Here right. is uh, the breakdown. Any of these now seven remaining games, uh, eight remaining games, seven. Seven, yeah. All right, go slow. All right. Of course, Iowa State beats West Virginia. It's all They're in. Baylor beats Oklahoma. Don't see that one happening. No. TCU beats Oklahoma State. Yep. Could happen. Could. Mm-hmm. Could. I think I like Oklahoma State, though, in that uh, spot. Yeah, I'm with you. Texas beats K-State. Should happen. That should happen. Well, here's the thing, though. Is Texas checked out their left tackle He's decided, you know what, he's getting ready Good for point. the league. Yeah. All They've right, got nothing so, to play for. It was all about a championship for this squad. So that's from Saturday. Mm-hmm. So if none of those things happen, if Iowa State loses, along with Oklahoma winning, Oklahoma State winning, and Kansas State winning, we go then to the final weekend. The final weekend, these three. One of these three, all, only one needs Where to Iowa happen. Iowa State can, is sitting at home. Baylor beats Oklahoma State. Maybe. I don't feel good about that. West Virginia over Oklahoma. Could happen. Could. Yeah. I mean, they're playing better. There's, there's no question in my mind. West Virginia's a much better football team than they were at the start of the year. Or Texas beats Kansas. There's a chance that might happen. Trent. So, I mean, it's... It's not over, but it's over. Come on. I think it is, too. I think it is. Even read, with the loss, they're in. Well, I read Barry Trammell's piece, and he put he, he made it sound uh, that it's that there's way more. He's going to margin of victory mm-hmm. he got to. It's just too much. Just, you know what, make it easy for us old folks. Beat West Virginia. And that is uh, Spencer Hughes on Twitter had the breakdown of everything. Shout out to Spencer. Who, I, I see that guy on Twitter. He's an Iowa State fan, Iowa State right? fan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know who the guy you're talking about. Yep. He's a Duke Law School student. Or, oh, very bright. That's where he graduated from after Iowa State. So He's doing all right in D.C. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. 
<laughs> a lawyer in D.C. that went to Duke and yeah. undergrad at Iowa State. Yeah, Spencer, Good. you're doing well in a shout-out on KXNO. Maybe the cherry on top of your Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? <laughs> All right, so let's go to uh, Nebraska-Iowa. Uh, same time. Well, you're, they were an hour hour difference. You ready to? Are we going to start with Iowa? Or are we going to start start with Frosty the coach man? Yeah, where, wherever you want. I mean, it was a look at again. Nebraska had an opportunity late in a football game. I I think they're close, but you know what? What does that get you? Right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't get you anything. Uh, the the clap gate. Do I think it happened? Yeah. Do I think it was a factor? No. I mean, maybe, maybe on the first one, the one that hit him in the shin when he wasn't expecting the ball, or maybe it didn't affect him. I don't know if it did or not. But the one that goes over his head. And I and and Kirk Ferentz, salty Kirk Ferentz, back to back weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is pretty good. Now I don't think they're making T-shirts out of the out of this one of the tennis and the golf um, reference at the end of it, as opposed to uh, leave the timeouts, take the pig, <laughs> right? Which was priceless the week before. But um, you know, I guess maybe we should start with uh, with Iowa. Petrus. Yeah, they have a quarterback problem, and. We've continued to talk about that the last couple yeah. of weeks. The interception. Chad, it's just egregious. It's awful. Yeah. He's so much crap was given to Sam Darnold that Monday night game a couple of years ago when he, that he was mic'd up on the sidelines and said he was seeing ghosts. Yep. And I didn't like that because pretty much all quarterbacks at some point in their career sure, see ghosts. But they're not going to admit that. Right. And they maybe admit it to their offensive coordinator, their coach, but they're not mic'd up. Yeah. And so you don't hear that. But. Yeah. I think most football fans know that term, but it became a bigger part of the lexicon just because he happened to have a mic on and ESPN Mm -hmm. decided to run with it, and I thought it was completely unfair. But Spencer Petras has seen ghosts. There was no pressure. Stand up in the pocket, make a throw, and you have a big completion up the field. He was determined to throw the football, Trent, and it didn't matter what what color uniform the guy was wearing. Came out, looked pretty good early on. Trent, was was he 8 of 11 or 9 of 11 in the first quarter with a touchdown and just under 100? Yeah, pretty sharp. Uh Uh-huh. Now he's bailed out a couple of times by the receivers, and that's the part. By the way, Sean Byer, how about that catch? (laughs) One-hander. So, you have a quarterback that... You look at any metric. You look at ESPN's quarterback rating. You look at NCAA's quarterback rating. You look at yards per completion, yards per attempt. You look at just strict counting numbers, touchdowns versus interceptions. Any metric you look at, he is one of the worst college quarterbacks going right now at the power five level. You can't cut it any other way. We've played winning football. Yeah, they've won four in a row. Yes, they've mm-hmm. won four in a row. And by they've the way, that's another row. story, Trent. I mean, what could be? You, yeah. know, you know what we could be setting up for in this state, right? Yeah. I don't have to Two remind. championship games. Yes. As opposed to the one we'll be getting ready for. How the hell did Purdue beat them? And that's the one. That's the one that really, oh. really stings. Because Northwestern is Northwestern. They're yeah. going to have those kind of games as they lost to Michigan State. But with Petrus, normally at this point, it feels like you're going to see some of that progression. I don't think we've seen it at all. I see. I think we still see the same scared quarterback mm-hmm. that doesn't have confidence. And more than anything, on Friday, you saw the receivers some body language frustration, mm-hmm. and that we saw from Smith Marset against Purdue. Yep, in that first game. Yep. But now you're seeing it from Laporta. Laporta got laid out oh a couple of God, times because ever. it's not just completion uh-uh. percentage, but it's also where you put the yep. ball. And Petrus does not put the ball in the right spot. There are a couple of drops, drops from Brandon Smith. One of them, it was a drop, but really wasn't a drop. It was put in a bad spot. The wide receiver screen was set up beautifully. Mm-hmm. It was a great play call. Mm-hmm. And the throw was terrible, yep. and it's an incompletion. Another one to Smith. You throw it in the right spot, it's a catch. But this is continued. He's been bailed out by this receiver group. And if they don't have this collection of receivers and tight ends, That's a great point. and you go back to Numbers aren't, yeah. 2016, yep. 2017 in that group, 
Petrus probably isn't completing 45% of his passes right now. Yeah, you look, I, I want to, I, I went into the weekend thinking, yeah, this only started five times, tapped the brakes a little bit, cut the kids some slack. He's still learning the game, dot, dot, dot. And then, you know, you watch him play the first quarter and I'm thinking to myself, okay. Here it comes. Here it comes. Light's going to go on. And then that freaking pick. First series of the second quarter, whenever it was early, and that just running, running around, and like you say, it's not like he had guys draped all over him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had to make some moves in the pocket, but just if you can't step up in the pocket, though, you're not going to make it as a quarterback. No, you're not, and that's what he had to do. Is he mm-hmm. needed to step up? There was pressure coming off his right side. He had to step up, step into the line. Yes, there was guys in front of him, but that's a throw you have to be able to right. make. He has the arm strength to make that throw. He doesn't have it between the ears. No, to make and that I, throw. you know, I guess I should say uh, I. I'm gonna, I'll ask you. Uh, you're, you're not. You're, you're not uh, advocating a change now. No, no, absolutely Good, no. not. This is more. This is his team this year. Yes, right. You're you're going down with the ship. This is your mm-hmm. guy. Right. Would I? If there's a blowout here, they get up and it's it's twenty seven three against Illinois, and it's the middle of the third quarter. Yeah, mm-hmm. run Padilla with the rest of the first team offense and see what you got. Right. I do want to see that. I want to see Deuce Hogan. Yeah, and that's the other part. And this. Has to become an open competition come January. Well, and I believe it will. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I totally uh, I believe it will. But look, the incumbent most times has a huge advantage, yes. uh, a huge um, uh, foot. Um, you know, but it's not going to be the case this year. It's um, or next year rather. It, it's going to be a wide open competition. So that was good to see the Hawks win. Uh, Clapgate was is what it is, I guess. But this to me encompasses more of Scott Frost and this program as a whole. It's these excuses after games. And it's, as we talked about last week, it's not about Scott Frost. It's about everybody else. And we have to coach better. He will say that. Mm-hmm. But really, if you listen to him, it's lip service. Trent, they have no wide receivers. No, they don't. This is where, I mean, Robinson, he's not a wide receiver. He's a slot receiver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he and he's really good. He's a Swiss Army knife. He's yeah, a utility guy. Get it in jet yes. sweep. Get him on the edge. Whatever. Yeah, get him yep. the football. That's all they have. That's it. That's Kate all Warner, they have. He was a walk-on. Yeah, Kate Warner's not the answer. Oliver Martin, well, we've seen him at Michigan mm-hmm. and Iowa, wasn't able to cut mm-hmm. it. He had one catch. I won that one as you put the no, over, over two and, and a half. It was two yeah. and a half, right. Yeah. Kaker went over and you, t- you took, the, uh, took the under. That's right. I do remember that. So good for Iowa. What might have been. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we're at right now, right? Yep. What might have been for this team who started 0-2. So as we know, Ohio State is another canceled game against Illinois. They didn't get to play for the turtle, the wooden mm-hmm. turtle, the Illini Buck trophy, one of the... Not talked about very often. I really like that one. It's just a goofy one, but that aside. So they're a cancellation away from not playing in the Big Ten Championship mm-hmm. game. Yep. They will play somebody, though, that week. Right. And if it's Iowa, do you want to see Ohio State pissed off they're not playing in the Big Ten Championship and with a lot of proof because they're not going to be able to be the quote-unquote Big Ten champion, though they still could be undefeated they're, they're in 6-0. Still, they're still going to get into the playoff. Here, here's my question before between now and then. Does the Big Ten change the rules? For Ohio right. State, yeah. you know, and if they six, do, they'd have to change it for Wisconsin, Wisconsin too, right? Yeah. You're going to change it for everybody. But we're talking about Ohio State mm-hmm. here, and we're talking about a team that legitimate. Look, I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're the best team in college football. I've seen that defense, and I've seen that secondary in particular. But but remember the defense we saw from Clemson against Notre Dame, and the defense we saw early. Yeah, but the from defense, Alabama, true. But the defense from Clemson, they had their two of their linebackers sure. who did not play the game. But teams can improve. Mm-hmm. The Alabama defense we saw at the beginning of the year was not good. No, they are now. Yeah, they are. Jesus. And that's a collection of skill, talent at Auburn. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. 
and all of a sudden you they look pretty pedestrian. Uh, you know who's way better than they think? Anybody thought uh, Mac Jones? Yeah, yes. He's a good quarterback, isn't he? Um, I'm on. I was saving this for Bama, but I'll ask you about it since we're kind of going around college <laughs> football. Urban Meyer said something on Saturday, and I thought, you know what? You make a pretty good point. The most he said that Kyle Pitts, 2020, the tight end for Florida, is college football's most dominant player. He's this year's Chase Young. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Get where you're going. Defensive guy that was in the conversation last year. And Kyle Pitts is a difference maker. Three touchdowns again. Trent, he's unstoppable. He you cannot cover that dude. I thought it was a pretty good point. It is. And this is the part of the Heisman Trophy that is taking me away from the love that I had for that trophy growing up because it was about being the best player in college yeah, football. It's no longer. It's the best quarterback. It's the best quarterback in one of the best yep. teams. That's yep. it. Yep. I agree. And if you're if you're not at minimum during a regular season at ten and two, mm-hmm. you're not going to get a sniff of the award nope. anymore. Defensive players are out. Yep, and it's unfortunate because that was backs. such a, an intriguing part of the Heisman every year, and it's evolved and it's changed. And I, mm-hmm. I just don't like that part, but I think it's a great point. And if Pitts would have been able to play a full season, well, sure. Yeah, why do you miss two or three? Yeah, it was a couple, and because of that, he's not going to have the numbers that are going to be up there. You know, the kid from Buffalo. Jesus. The performance yes. that he had. We talked about that Kent State game just a little and bit. And the coach took him out. He wasn't yeah. aware of the records that were about to be set. He uh, Did you see Howard Griffin on BTN? Yeah, because it was his record. It was, yeah. yeah. He touched downs and a yeah. chance to break. But he was really cool about it, too, and, and talking about that and the memories when he was a fullback for the mm-hmm. Illini back in the 80s. It just... Those kind of stories and are incredible. And a back-to-back Super Bowl champion in the late 90s. What was, who was that with? Broncos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broncos. But we would get Brees Hall being a real part of the conversation, mm-hmm. like Troy Davis was yeah. 25 years ago. Jeez. We would have the kid from Buffalo. We would have mm-hmm. these stories. No, it's going to be quarterbacks. <laughs> right. Now, they'll be, I mean, they're not even going to be there because they're going to do it virtually. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, BMW Des Moines guest list again, Scott Dockerman coming up here momentarily. We'll get the doc out of our first break. Uh, take a look back at the defending Super Bowl champions. Green Bay was terrific last night. Um, <laughs> I didn't see the comeback in the Vikings game. <laughs> so, I watched the thing. I, I couldn't take my eyes off it, right? Because mm-hmm. my, my son's a fan. And um, we text back and forth. So, BB muffs the punt. Uh huh. I'm going to the car wreck that I know is about to unfold on Channel 713. At, uh, in, uh, what do they call it? It's mile high to me uh, with no quarterbacks for Denver. I missed the entire comeback. I thought there's, I, I had no idea that the Vikings came back. And of all people, uh, Beebe makes the catch in the end zone to put them over the top. And then the Vikings had to have a missed field goal to go their way. And they got it. Yeah, it yeah. was a fun one. Mm. And so you missed uh, the missed extra point. I missed everything. There was a block extra point, but they said the guy was offsides from Carolina. Because I'm watching my wife, as you know, a big Vikings yeah. fan. And they score the touchdown. So the the point the the, the point after to go ahead to and go break ahead. This, I had no idea. And I had the Vikings minus three and I was kinda happy for a split second there before the flag comes out. But my wife, a very as you know, I'm a pessimistic fan, she takes it to another level. I mean she thinks the Vikings are gonna get clubbed. Mm-hmm. She has no optimism. They, they, they look like she's actually not very fun to watch Vikings okay. games with, and, and that was another. They score a touchdown. You'd think she'd be jumping out of the cut. No, no, she's Trent. The Panthers they're miss all the played extra point. the entire game, and they did. And well, they did, apparently. and she she just looks at me, and I said, wow. I don't want to laugh, but I'm kind of laughing. But then the flag comes out, I get the second no chance, idea. yeah, and the extra point is good. Twenty seven, twenty six. It just it was one of those games that was so wild. 
And the story, <laughs> Don Beebe's kid, yeah. a guy that's hung around the organization mm-hmm. the last couple of years, but he's a bit part. Yeah. Thielen's around. Is he? No, he's not playing. Yeah. He's not. Certainly, Sorry, certainly not in that position. Right. right. And to come back after the muff punt to me, it was one of the more fun games and a great Sunday of football. Oh, that my. was very, very enjoyable. Didn't end well for you, though. No, You're glad no. you deserved that. Let's and that get... was also the back end of my 14 parlay for the day. Did I, you hit? I hit all three, except for the Vikings minus three. Oh, team yeah, would have helped. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, real quick. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the program, Jeff. I uh, wish we could give you more time. you got about 60 seconds. Use it wisely. Uh, Cyclone fans, here's the deal. Um, take care of business, like I said last week. Do not look over, do not look over West Virginia. But here's the deal. You know, I'm hearing Iowa fans, Iowa State fans talk to me. I'm not happy with just getting the conference. Like, I want to go down. I want to play Oklahoma. I don't want Oklahoma to lose. I want to play the best. I want to beat the best. I'm not comfortable. I'm not happy just getting to the con- winning the conference and going down to Austin. And I think, you know, the coaching staff's the same way. Um, if I'm Jamie Pollard, I'm already on the phones working because here's the deal. Matt Campbell should be getting coach of the year talk. I don't hear it, which is just bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. But if he goes down and he takes care of his business, you don't think Michigan, you don't think possibly Penn State, you don't think there's huge programs out there that would love the NFL. So if I'm Jimmy Pollard, I'm worried because let's let's take a look here. Since Fred left Iowa State, just to be 100% honest, Iowa State's been average. Well, they went to a sweet 16 with, with Fred's boys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do we want another coach at Iowa State and then you're having two possible okay programs? If John, if again, if I'm Pollard, I'm on the phone already. Uh, Jeff, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Wish we'd give you more time. Um, uh, Matt Campbell's name's coming up for uh, for every big job, whether that's Texas to Jeff's point. Bruce Feldman, who covers college football, uh, he's got Urban Meyer one, Matt Campbell two at Texas, the Michigan job. If there if there is a change and if Harbaugh decides to maybe he's the next Lions coach who knows um, he's going to come he's, his name's going to be associated with every big job it's just the way it is I, the success that he's having there I heard uh, Bruce Feldman talking about Del Conte when he got TCU when he was the athletic director there what he did go into Deles Dodd's office sat there got there at eight a.m. sat in his office till three thirty hmm. and uh, finally. Last dad comes out, says, who are you? <laughs> um, he got his name wrong. He did hear the party card, called him Dell the whole time. They went out, had drinks, and by that evening, TCU was a member of the he's Big got 12. got a little salesman in him, does he? That's what he is. He is a salesman. But he's also very buttoned up. And he is not going to fire Tom Herman without having the replacement sure. ready. He did that at TCU. When he went out and he got Jamie Dixon to come home, mm-hmm. but he did it. Without firing Trent Johnson and saying, well, let's see what's going to happen. He knew the steps in the process. And if he didn't have the guy like Jamie Dixon, he wasn't going to make... And that's the same thing with Tom Herman. This is going to cost upwards of $25 million yep. to fire Herman and the rest of that staff. You're also talking about potential buyouts you're going to have to play sure. for other places. This is going to be about $25 million. You're not going to do that, just open it up and have this turn into a train wreck. He's not that kind of guy. He's not that kind of athletic director. If it's going to happen with Campbell, if it's going to happen with anybody, it's going to happen before Tom Herman gets his walking papers. That deal's already going to be done in order for that to happen. With Iowa State preparing for a Big 12 title game, does the timeline match up 
Does it match up for... When signing day? Signing day is before that, right? It is. Does that make sense when you're looking at what we know about Matt Campbell? Could he jump? Sure. I don't think Texas is a spot, though. And I'm not even sure, Trent, that he's that he's looking to jump. I I don't think he is. He's got a trophy. He's got... And, and uh, the statue's like, coming up at Jack Trice Stadium. <laughs> and he got a raise last year. This mm-hmm. is... Uh, I, I just... This is a different cat. Mm, he's a different is. cat. Uh, we got to take a break. We're, we do. We are way late. We could just keep talking the whole hour, we but can. we got to pay some bills. Yeah. Uh, we haven't touched basketball. Maybe that's a tomorrow topic. Football is front and center. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Uh, we'll do a few minutes with Nick Athen before we run out of hour number one. Bama Bob Trent and I around college football. Dave Sproul and I will stay at 1130. Miller and Condon till noon. 1460 KX and 0106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We take you until noon. Let's get right to Scott Dockerman. We mentioned it at the beginning of the program, but if you're ever going to pull the trigger and grab that subscription to The Athletic today, Cyber Monday is the day to do so. It's a buck a month. It's $12 for the entire year for new subscribers at The Athletic. Uh, If you're a fan of... I don't know, fill in the blank. Uh, they've got you covered. Whether it be college, whether it be any of the pro sports, uh, The Athletic is the future of sports journalism. Our guest, Scott Dockerman, you can read him there two, three, four times a week as he covers Iowa and he uh, joins the program. Again, a buck a week, Cyber Monday, today being the final day. Scott Dockerman, good to speak with you, Doc. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you this fine Monday morning? Doing really well. What could have been, right, is uh, starting to come into focus now. Now we see Michael Penix, Indiana's quarterback, looks as though he is lost for the year. As you take a look back, Doc, I mean, Northwestern's Northwestern, and that Iowa-Northwestern series is usually a nail-biter most years, but the Purdue game is really going to haunt, is it not? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, both of those games were there for the taking. I mean, you know, it, it, go looking back at that, you know, the Purdue one was 100 yards in penalties and two critical fumbles. Uh, there was a lot of miscommunication on defense that uh, isn't there anymore. I mean, it was just because you had, you were down to you know, basically your fourth linebacker, <laughs> you know, trying to play. And then you had David Bell on the other side and I know Jeff Brom wasn't there, so and neither was Rondell Moore, so that created some issues. But I, yeah, both of those games are winnable, and I think uh, you know it, it's easy right now to look back and say Iowa should be six and zero, but uh, you know they're not. Mm-hmm. And I think the only thing you could do is is kind of look forward and just continue to to think that this is a pretty good team that has an opportunity to make a pretty good run and end the season. So this offense, we've talked about the quarterback position, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it more here, but I want to go to some of the other pieces. And the run game didn't really get on track Late, at yeah. the level that you'd anticipate against Nebraska. They're, of course, selling out to stop the run, but they've tried that in the past, and it hasn't worked out very well. It did, at least the game plan here. When you look at the running game, we've seen more wrinkles. We've seen a lot more than just outside zone left, outside zone right. It feels like it is at least a little bit more dynamic this season of what they're trying to do. Your thoughts overall, how they've come together in the run game this season as we look at it six games in. 
I like the way the running game has been put together. Uh, I think there have been two games, however, where it wasn't called really that well, and, uh, and the numbers bear that out. And I w- obviously Northwestern, it was is a train wreck in part because what Iowa's done really well this year, I think, is it's it's staggered some of its blocking, uh, you know, in a way, or the tempo more than the blocking, because it's allowed, uh, you know, movement, pre-snap movement by jet sweep motion, or it's allowed, it had more seal blocks from tight ends, fullbacks, that type of thing, which has allowed the, the tempo to kind of flow. And then you have the running backs, and Iowa does this year, to, to be able to exploit those holes, and it slows it all down. Uh, the other day it was disjointed, and part of it, I think, was the way it was called. And because Iowa has an advantage on um, on Nebraska, although I will say the Daniels kid that plays over the center it was, was really good for, for Nebraska. He was kind of the most you know, difficult matchup, I thought, all year. Mm-hmm. You know, they in the first half, only once did they lead a, a series with a run play, which normally you, you congratulate them for, but it just never felt like they got into a, a game calling role, uh, you know. And it, then it it kind of triculate and matriculated into the just a really bad first half. So it wasn't until the second half and the third quarter where they kind of got back to their roots a little bit. But overall, this is a really good running game, and I think it's capable of doing more. I think in some ways Brian Ferentz probably overthought the game plan a little bit too much, and it it caused some congestion, I would say, in the attack. I love Sargent's touchdown, boys. When he slammed on the brakes, I mean, what what an incredible athletic move. Full speed stop, uh, and then uh, takes it, uh, waltzes into the end zone with us. Well, Trent was right. We're going to get to the quarterback, and let's get to Petrus. Doc, he had a wonderful first quarter. He did. Uh, It was 8 of 11, uh, just under 100 yards, uh, thrown a touchdown pass. That was This was only the sixth game of his career. I've been making that excuse when trying to, you know, talk Hawk fans off the ledge. That, you know, tap the brakes a little bit. He's still learning. He's still young in the position. First quarter comes out. He looks like, okay, this is, this is the Spencer Petrus that, um, you know, that everybody was in love with prior to the season. Then that throw, that interception, uh, early in the second quarter, Doc, and overthrowing guys and making guys contort their bodies to try and catch the football or putting them in the bad spot where they're just going to get clocked, um, as was the case a couple of times, uh, with Laporta. Where are you on Petrus? I mean, I know there's Hawk fans that don't believe that there's going to be an open competition next year. They go back to Stansy. They go back to Bethard. I remember those times vividly as well. This is not going to be the case this spring. But it's not, I mean, Petrus is the guy going forward. What can they do, Doctor? Is it a confidence thing with him? Does he need to slow down? Where are you with Petrus? Uh, I, I'm. He's a college character. I'm going to put my phone a little bit. I think he is very inconsistent. And I think his accuracy is something that he needs to work on. And I'm not sure it's going to get a whole lot better. Uh, he's been pretty good in the first quarter of games. I went through the last five games. In the first quarter, he's completing 72% of his passes for almost 400 yards. The final three quarters, so 15 quarters of those five games, he's completing 49% for 500 yards. So he's really not, you know, he's, he's almost better. For, he does more in the first quarter than he does the rest of the game. And that suggests to me that that's a lot of game plan. 
That's that's a lot of uh, scheming to make sure that those plays mm-hmm. work out. It's when you get to the second batch, and is that a coaching problem a little bit? But I I mean I I went through every single one of his throws the other day. There were thirty of them. I would classify sixteen as as good to decent. I think fourteen were not. You know they were really bad, either bad or they they weren't where they needed to be, or they hung his receivers out to dry. Even Brandon Smith had two drops, and, and they were on him, but they were not placed well. And I think ball placement has been a real problem for him. So, yes, there will be an open competition next year. It will last, I'm sure, until all the way into way in August, because you just can't have this as a team. I mean, this is what's holding them back. This is a weird year, so you know, there's nothing really at stake. After they lost the first two games, there's really nothing for them to play for other than mm-hmm. just to play and, and play well. And, and he probably does give them the best chance to win because of the inexperience of the other two. But at this point, uh, they, they've got to open it up. I think I believe they will open it up. And, um, and barring anything significant here, I don't think that he'll be the starting quarterback next year. Scott Docterman joining us from the Athletic Doc. Let's jump to the other side of the football. That defense, a couple of rough drives, uh, second quarter and into the third. Outside of that, they're playing at an elite level. And whatever metric you want to look at, from what we saw week one against Purdue, they couldn't stop a Purdue team that isn't good running the football to where they are today. The improvements uh, continue to sing the praises of Phil Parker because that guy deserves it. Guy knows how to coordinate a defense. They're really good on that side of the football. the good coaching that came forward from them is because in the secondary, that first game, there was so much miscommunication because there were new pieces. There were people going in and out that didn't really know what they were doing, and you're doing it against a high-level uh, opponent. Um, in the last five, you've seen them coalesce. You've seen a, more of a, a standard, and they know where to be and when to be there. Uh, you see more disciplined play out of its, its front seven. And, and again, you know, Seth Benson and, and Jack Campbell weren't there in the first week, but really they were, they played really well. And Jack Campbell to me is going to be a star in this. He sure week. is. Um, you know, he's been playing really well. But, you know, really the end play is probably where I've seen the best, most improvement over the first couple of games to now. I mean, Zach Van Valkenburg mm-hmm. has been involved in a lot of plays. And he's much more disciplined, and he's doing a much better job. And then Chauncey Golston's making impact plays on a consistent basis. And then, of course, Davion Nixon is, is uh, mm. you know, he, he's to me, he's an All-American. He's, he's, he's been playing that well. So I think this defense is something that Iowa can rely on game in and game out to keep them in any game against any opponent. Um, and with the running game, if it's competing at a high level, I think Iowa's got a chance to win the majority of its games going forward, and that includes whoever they play in the, in the crossover or in the bowl. But um, I, I do think there's one big detriment on the on the team right now, you know, and yep. we all know what it is. Indeed we do. Uh, Scott Dockerman is our guest. Doc, last thing for you, Big Ten related. I see Michigan has now paused football activities. Um, they play Ohio State in two weeks. Ohio State's game this week is kind of up in the air as well. We've seen the Big Ten change on the fly in the past. It just seems like we are 
you know, entering that territory again with Ohio State, who knows how many games they're going to play. That's not criteria when it comes to the playoff committee. They are tasked with finding the best four teams in college football. Does the Big Ten change that six games to qualify on the fly? That opens up the door, I guess, for Wisconsin, although I believe Iowa will beat Wisconsin in that football game. They've already got a loss, Whiskey does, as we saw a couple of weeks ago. But do you think that's where we're headed? Are the Big Ten um, powers that be huddling and about to do an about-face on that six games to qualify for the championship game, knowing that maybe, just maybe, uh, this would help Ohio State's in the conference's chances with one of those four playoff berths? Actually not, and I think it probably would help them more if they don't play in that game. Uh, If you look at Northwestern lost this weekend, and Northwestern has beaten Iowa and Wisconsin, and so you give them the respect they deserve. They're going to win the division because I don't think Minnesota is going to play this week. Uh, that, that said, Iowa and Wisconsin are better teams than Northwestern is. Yeah. It's just Northwestern won those games. So if Ohio State is playing Iowa, the Ohio, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, Ohio, uh, Wisconsin winner, Ohio State's got a bigger, a better opponent to, to prove in, in a game situation than probably Northwestern because if, if they play either team, and they win by double digits, they're going to look more impressive to the eye test. And this is where they're going to, the only way they're going to get in is the eye test Mm -hmm. than they would if they play and beat um, Northwestern. Fair point. Northwestern lost by nine points. Iowa lost two games by a total of five. So there's really, you know, there's some growth here in in the season. So I do think that it may serve Ohio State more to play Iowa on that final weekend than it would Northwestern. And and then if Indiana happens to beat Northwestern, then you know, then it even more validates that that claim because it really comes down to Ohio State winning out, beating teams, looking good doing it because that's the only way they're going to get in because the criteria, you know, they're, they're going to play about half the number of games as some of those SEC teams. So I, I think that's probably their best bet trying to get in. Interesting take, Doc, and uh, you, you make a lot of sense. Uh, appreciate you coming on again for those uh, folks out there, and we'll remind them in the 11 o'clock hour as well once you're gone. Um, it's a buck, a, a buck a month for new subscribers only. Uh, it's today only, Cyber Monday, Athletic. If you haven't pulled the trigger yet, you'll be glad you did, and at that price, it's hard not to. Did I get it all right, Doc? Today only, a dollar a month, new subscribers only uh, for the uh, buck a month for the next year? Yes, you did. And, uh, yeah, we started it on Black Friday through Cyber Monday. And, uh, you know, and not only can you get Iowa coverage, Max Olson's done a nice job covering the Cyclone. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a Vikings fan, Packers fan, or if you're like me, you know, kind of wanting to commiserate with the Bears, uh, we've got a lot of grumbling writing going on there. So <laughs> we've got we've got pretty much anything you need, um, you know, with all your sports uh, desires. Fringe team. I, I read more about the Winnipeg Jets there than yeah. anywhere else. It's fantastic. Scott Dockerman, thank you, Doc. Appreciate you coming on. Talk to you next week, Scott. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Quick timeout. Nick Athen on the Super Bowl champions. Will they get back to Tampa? Sure looks like it, right? They're trending that direction. <laughs> you think? Yes. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. to learn more. Hi, welcome back.
Mac Miller in content final segment of the hour. Five or six minutes here on the defending Super Bowl champions. I guess you can still call them that, even yeah. though we're 11 weeks in. Right? Reigning champions. So that's a better one. The reigning champions. Uh, Patrick Mahomes yesterday, 37-49, uh, 462, three touchdowns. <laughs> that's sick numbers, Nick Athen. It really and truly is. Good to talk to you, as always. PrimetimeSportsTalk.com. Uh, Nick is on Twitter at Chiefs Insider. Nick, I guess if we're uh, picking nits with this football team, the fact that, I mean, it looked as though they were about to go up. What was it, 17 nothing? They were on the doorstep again yep. inside the red zone. It was either going to be, what, 24 nothing if they kick a field goal, 20 to zip. Uh, let this Tampa Bay team uh, door open a sliver, and Tampa Bay made it close in the end. Uh, didn't put them away when it looked as though they were going to. Is that maybe the criticism that we're all reaching for when trying to find one about this Chiefs team? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, let me, let's give the Bucks credit. I mean, they made a great play on the trip, and, uh, you know, they got the ball, and it, it gave them a spark, and they, and they took advantage of it. But, you know, again, they never took the lead. Uh, they came close to the end, and Patrick Mahomes does what Patrick Mahomes does. You know, he finds a way to win all kinds of football games. So, you know, I, I think I think if you're a Chiefs fan, yeah, this probably should have been a forty to ten game or forty five to ten, something like that. It wasn't. Um, the Bucks defense played well. The Chiefs uh, kind of fell asleep, and I think Rodney Harrison did said it best last night on the NBC broadcast. The Chiefs looked bored at times. And that's what it is to me, too. I just think they just get in these situations where they just play six football for 15 or 20 minutes, and then they take a lull. And then, oh, by the way, i got to go play again. And what do they do? They put points up, and then they steal the game with a you know, drive that doesn't give the Bucks back the ball. So, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that's complacency. I just think they're so much better than everybody else, and they can do this anytime they want to. But they, they have to fight through these lulls a little bit better, I think, if they're going to be you know, repeat champions. Because um, the road to the Super Bowl, if the NFL has its way, it was going to mean you're going to have to win three games. Because I, I just don't see how the Ravens and the Steelers, I could be wrong, actually play this week, which is going to push everything ahead. Yeah. So they, they have they have to fix their lulls. The offensive line, the injuries have certainly mounted up there. Is it just going to be a season? You know, we've been waiting. If they unlock that running game, look out. We're just not going to be unlocked. This is a game where it feels like you're up 17 nothing. And yet, still, Mahomes throws the ball forty-nine times. If you're ever going to try it, it'd be a game like this, and they didn't. Is it just because they know the running game really isn't going to work against most anybody with the pulse this whole season? Well, when you got the ball second and one, and you don't run the football um, at the goal line, yeah. uh, that tells me everything that Andy feels mm-hmm. about his offensive line. I mean, he didn't want he put that ball in, the, in Patrick Mahomes' hands. You know, late in the game with the two passes, I was totally fine with it. I totally expect him to do it. I mean, that's what the Patriots did for how many years yep. with Brady. I mean, you know, they were very aggressive in the fourth quarter. Don't give the other team the ball back. And the Chiefs have learned, and you know, by 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 a lot of mistakes in the past. You know, you just got to get that first down to steal the game. I never thought the Chiefs were going to give up control of that football. You know, with four minutes to go, I mean, they were going to get three first downs, and that was going to be it. So, you know, I, I think this offensive line. You know, they signed Wisniewski back. They should never have let him go in the first place. They've got Char- They've got Mankin back there too, or Rankin who could who could be available. Um, they're going to have to fix this offensive line because it's not a, it's not built to run the football, you know, and, and that's going to be a problem. But you know, when you when you have Mahomes, you know, a five yard pass is the same as a run. There's no way they can any team can cover all those athletes. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. You know, Watkins played yesterday. Didn't have a whole lot of catches, but he made the huge, most difference in Kelsey and in, in, in Hill being open so much. You know, which which I which is something they've really really missed. So. 
Um, but this offensive line, it scares me a little bit. But then again, they've got Pat who can backpedal, who can side pedal, who can throw from every arm angle. It doesn't matter what the situation is. You know, he's always capable of making a first down. Uh, Nick, we've got 30 seconds left. Um, I was, I thought Tyreek Hill was a one-trick pony. Yeah, he's the fastest guy I've yeah. seen on the field. But he's not much of a receiver, and he doesn't run good routes. Uh, I was dead wrong on this guy. He is a well-rounded uh, and, and, and just a weapon, quite frankly, that no other team has. He's way better other than just the speed factor that everybody saw. He is he, he is the Ben Roethlisberger of, of, of wide receivers. He is he is physically uh, the, the the way he plays the way he catches the ball the way he positions himself how tough he is to bring down he only goes down when he wants to I don't know I mean if you watch this guy and he runs his routes you know and if he he gets in the situation to where you know he's getting close on the defender if he thinks he's going to get smashed you know go on to the next play yeah he pounds and pounds tough to get down he really is Nick we're out of time brother we'll talk to you next week after Sunday night football thank you Nick Athen. All right, take care. Good to talk to you. Nick Athen. Hour 2 coming up next.